0: I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer, but they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code birthful15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.
1: This time I didn't want to scream. Nope, I screamed a whole bunch. And the nurses were saying, all right, you can push, you can push. And I really in my heart, didn't want people to tell me to push. But at that moment, what was I going to tell them to be quiet? I didn't care what they were saying at that moment. (laughs) So I started pushing and I don't know how many times I pushed. It wasn't more than a handful. And at 5.32, Jude was out.
0: That's Dana Sakamano, a musician and mother of two, talking about her labor with her second child. A precipitous labor or rapid labor is defined as less than three hours from the start of regular contractions or a total labor experience that lasts under five hours. Dana gave birth to Jude in an hour and a half. From the very start, her experience was speedy. Let's let Dana take us back to the beginning when she was planning on getting pregnant. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Welcome, Dana, to the show. It is lovely to have you here. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you identify?
1: Great to be here. I'm Dana Sakamano, and I identify as she, her. I'm also a mother and a wife and a daughter and a sister. And I'm a musician. I play the violin. And I'm a music teacher.
0: You have two kids.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the last one was... A really fast birth, which you weren't expecting. So let's take you back to before your baby was born. How old is he now?
1: He is five and a half months.
0: Five and a half months. Oh, (laughs) so many transitions. So let's take you back, you know, a year and a half back. What were you thinking once you got pregnant? And how did you start to prepare for this new birth?
1: Uh, well, I got pregnant when Harry, my oldest, was about 14 months. We were still breastfeeding, so we weren't sure if I would be able to get pregnant yet, but it worked the first month we tried. So that was quick, and I had already, a couple of months prior, started listening to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really do that when I was pregnant with Harry with my first so I kind of had an idea that I wanted to switch from my OB to some midwives and I wanted to have a doula. The quarantine was just starting. There was nothing I could go to outside of the house and I didn't have to physically go into work. So I had some time to do my prenatal yoga on the living room floor. I didn't do any of that when I was pregnant the first time. So that was enlightening.
0: Yeah. And so you were gathering up all this information and moving your body and putting different birth team things in place. Did your birth wishes switch at all in terms of what experience you wanted to have?
1: Yes. The first time with Harry, my birth wishes were epidural. (laughs) And I did get an epidural when I gave birth to Harry, but I got it way too late. And it didn't do anything. Didn't work. Felt all the things, which was crazy and mind-blowing at the time. Turns out I was pretty grateful that I got to feel all the things because I decided that I I wanted to do it sans epidural, unmedicated, as natural as I possibly could the second time around. I did have Pitocin with Harry, my first son. It was an elective induction, which I definitely did not want to choose the second time around. So I just wanted to go into labor naturally and feel all the things the way they're supposed to happen.
0: So then, this time you did get to go into labor naturally. <laughs> and what happened? Tell us about it all.
1: Well, so let's see. I went into labor. I was 40 weeks, five days. And my family's rather impatient. So I went and I did some acupuncture a couple of times, which I think helped get things going I did have two membrane sweeps and the, after the first one I really thought things were happening I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like shivery and having having a little bit of mucus like bloody mucus that kind of stuff but no that didn't that didn't happen that was around that was like 39 and a half weeks and didn't happen so 40 plus five <laughs> finally at 4 a.m I woke up and I said, oh, that doesn't feel like a Braxton Hicks. That's a little different, just a little different. So I I think I got up to pee or something. And I had been having a little bit of bloody mucusy show, not really like a lot from the night before. So I had a kind of a thought, maybe tonight is going to be the night. I had a contraction or so. And then I I nudged my husband, said, Todd, download a contraction timer. So we downloaded it. I said, okay, let's lay here for a little bit and time them. So we timed maybe three or four. And they came every five minutes or so and lasted about a minute or minute 10. And they were totally, totally manageable. I did a little breathing. I had been using the Gentle Birth app and practicing my meditation and my deep breathing. So I thought, okay, here's the time I get to use that. And I did. And 20 minutes went by. I said, okay, I'm going to get up. I have to pee again. Todd, my husband, said, why don't you text Jen, Ardula and let her know. I said, okay. So I did. We went back and forth a little bit. And she said, she said why don't you call me? Because I asked her, I said, do they count if they're only like little ones? Because I've been having like a couple of little small ones that aren't a minute in between. And she was like, just call me. So I called her and we ch- we talked for a little bit and she said, okay, you can talk. You know, I had a couple of contractions on the phone with her. And as we were talking, they were getting a little more intense. So this all started at 4 a.m. It was probably 4.30, 4.35 by now. I was in the bathroom trying to brush my teeth, trying to talk to Jen on the phone. And by the time we got off the phone, which was probably 4.45 and I was like leaning over and all the while my husband's trying to get the bags ready cuz Jen Ardula had suggested, "Oh, why doesn't Todd start to get things ready?" My mother, th- like I mentioned before, was up visiting and once Todd came back upstairs from telling my mom what was going on, I just like threw him my phone and I said, "You need to call my midwives." I said, "I cannot I can't talk on the phone anymore." And I think that was the last coherent thing I said for a while. So it's maybe 450. By now, I got downstairs, I'm trying to put my shoes on. My mother comes over and says, Are you sure you don't want any drugs? (laughs) Which is so funny, because that is not what I was thinking at all. I was thinking, Oh, my goodness, this went from zero to 100. So quickly, like, let's just get there. I just want to get there. I wasn't thinking about anything other than I don't want to have a baby in the house, (laughs) or in the car. (laughs) We got outside, Todd had to pull the Jeep out, and I was like leaning on the side of the garage, like crouching down to try to, I don't know what I was trying to do, just crouch down. I, who knows? And he was like, Okay, get up, <laughs> get in the car. So he put some towels down because right before I started pushing with Harry, my water broke. So he thought, Okay, let's just put some towels down just in case. And he was like, Okay, get up, <laughs> get in the car. So I'm watching the GPS in the car. And as I have contractions, I remember I'm like leaning my head back and holding on to stuff. And sure enough, there are probably five minutes left in the ride and my water breaks in the car. (laughs) And I said, my water broke. And I know people say, oh, it's not like a big gush like in the movies, but it was. It was both times. (laughs) I felt it. You heard it pop. It was a lot of water. (laughs) We pulled into the hospital area and we had taken a dry run with the car one time before just to make sure we knew where to go in because we could not have a hospital tour during COVID. It was a virtual tour. And they actually walked you like from the sidewalk into the entrance to show you what it looked like outside. But it was dark. It was now five ten, five fifteen 5.15 in the morning, whatever time it was, so we couldn't see. So I told him to go the wrong way. So he looped through the parking lot So we pull up. They knew we were coming. A nurse comes out with the wheelchair. She opens the door and she says, are we having a baby in the parking lot? (laughs) I said, I hope not. (laughs) So she puts me in the wheelchair. We get all the way up there. I don't remember getting from the car to the room when we walked out after the baby was born when we were being discharged. I said, I don't recognize any of this. I have no memory of the elevator, the the walls, the decorations, nothing. (laughs) So we get upstairs. I stand up. They help me peel my pants and my shoes off because they're soaking wet and all gross. I climb onto the bed on my hands and knees. And that's how I stayed because there was no way I was moved. No one was moving me. No one even tried. No one suggested I get into any other position. And that's a good thing because I was not going to. My midwife and my doula did not make it. So the on-call midwife checked me and she goes, yep, you're 10 centimeters plus one. And she like kept her fingers in there for a second. And I got a little snippy. I was like, can you take your fingers out of me, please?
0: Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who was also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com That's DrMomButtBalm.com or look for it at Amazon.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. Which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy-peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthfull or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthfall. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. I
1: was holding on to the, the bed was like inclined a little bit. I was holding on to the rails. Maybe it wasn't inclined, but I was holding on, yelling the whole time in my, in my mind with my gentle birth app. I really wanted to be calm <laughs> and in control. That's what I remember telling Jen, my doula during our, one of our prenatal visits. I said, Oh, I want to feel in control. Cause with Harry, the first time I was not prepared and I was not in control. I was just screaming a lot. This time I didn't want to scream. Nope, I screamed a whole bunch. And the nurses were saying, all right, you can push, you can push. And I really, in my heart, didn't want people to tell me to push. But at that moment, what was I going to tell them to be quiet? I didn't care what they were saying at that moment. (laughs) So I started pushing, and I don't know how many times I pushed. It wasn't more than a handful. And at 5.32, Jude was out.
0: Whew. Let's all catch our breath from that, right? (laughs) So it started at 4 a.m. and at 5.32, he was born. And that is definitely something that can be classified as precipitous birth, (laughs) which I knew I was going to be talking to you about this. So I looked up the definition of precipitous labor and it's Labor that is less than three hours of regular contractions <laughs> or a total where it lasts under five hours. I mean, you beat that by a lot. Both. So it was a fast precipitous birth, <laughs> what you had. I
1: wonder if the acupuncture did
0: it. <laughs> or the sweeping or all your preparation, right? Like you had done so many things. And we also know that second babies tend to make quicker entrances. What amazes me though, I'm like in awe of so many things because you are amazing. But (laughs) thanks. (laughs) You, I mean, you are. But what amazes me is how, even though it was so condensed, so short, there was so much forethought that made all things easier and be able to like get to the hospital in time. For example, when you spoke to your doula, she said, Oh, have your husband start putting the bags in the car. And then when you got in the car, even though you were in the throes of it and you said that you were crouching, you don't know why. It's super common, instinctively, primitively, people in labor about to give birth, ground down. You look for a floor for something grounding. So I'm not surprised you were doing that because, yeah, sort of like baby's coming. I don't want to drop, you know, be close to the ground. But then you guys put a towel down because of the water breaking, right? And all that forethought, even though this was definitely so intense. Tell me, what did it feel like in your body?
1: Well, the first 45 minutes were fine. Every couple of minutes, my stomach got tight and crampy and I just had to breathe through it. And then the second 45 minutes was like, something has taken over my body and I'm along for the ride. I have no, I have no like control over what my body's doing right now. I just have to embrace it. <laughs> I only screamed when we, maybe in the car. I don't think I screamed in the car, but I definitely when we got to the hospital and they said push. I was, I needed to, I needed to roar the baby out. Let's, let's say it that way because I didn't have. Oh, if I'm gonna make sounds, I should make low guttural sounds. I don't think I did that. I just yelled. I just like I don't know what sounds I was making.
0: Well, and I think that expectation that birth needs to be calm and gentle, like there's so much fierceness in it. And I feel sometimes having people who do hypnobirthing or things that are like, I'm just gonna be really calm and breathe deep and there might be a time like you were experiences because of all these very specific circumstances of it moving really quick where that is not a tool that is available anymore that's not the right tool anymore and the right tool is like vocalizing really loudly which is actually helpful cuz opening your mouth your mouth and your perineum the tension in one tenses the other so hmm. uh, like opening and wide <laughs> It does create expansion and takes that force and puts it somewhere. You were insanely fierce during that moment.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like that A rendition, <laughs> explanation.
0: How were you feeling it in your mind? What other things were you thinking about? If thinking is not the right word, what other things were going through your mind?
1: At the moment, I wasn't thinking, oh, My my doula's not here. My midwife's not here. I was just grateful that we got to the hospital and there were trained medical people who knew what to do (laughs) there at the time when I needed them. Thinking back, I wished I had written down my birth plan because the whole time I thought, oh, I'm so prepared, like I've done so many things. I had colored some pictures, some little mantras. We're going to tape on the wall. I had all these things. And I didn't, I didn't write it down because I just figured I have it all. Like, I know Todd knows, Jen knows, everybody knows what we want to do. The midwives know. And, but there was no time to even tell anyone if it had been written down. So it's just, I don't know. I, there's no way I could have made it last longer. I mean, who wants it to last longer? That's kind of a silly thing to say.
0: And precipitous labors, because they happen so fast, you don't quite get a chance, like you're saying, to find your bearings. It just takes you away and it's like, and then now we're done and what just happened kind of thing. And sometimes that can feel even a little traumatic because it was just too much, too quick, too soon. And usually we don't let people express those situations like you're doing of sort of a little bit of mourning of what you wish it could have been. It's not like you're unhappy that it happened like it was, but you would have liked something a little different. Do you feel like was that something you had to process of how short it was?
1: Definitely. Definitely. And on the one hand, I am very grateful that everything was smooth sailing and, you know, everyone was healthy and we got there in time. (laughs) But on the other hand, you know, I do, I would say a little bit of mourning. It it wasn't traumatic for me personally. I wouldn't use that word, but yeah, a little bit of mourning because how many times do you give birth in your life? That was probably
0: it. How big was your baby?
1: Jude was nine pounds, 14 ounces, a lot bigger Two and a half pounds bigger than Harry. My first, he was seven pounds, seven ounces. Okay. I don't know how that happened.
0: And so did you tear?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I had a second degree tear. But I had a second degree tear with Harry also. And honestly, for me, that was not a big deal. Like, yeah, they had to give me some lidocaine to do the stitches. So that was uncomfortable. But after the fact... You know, I just did the usual postpartum, you know, witch hazel and that kind of stuff. And it was it was fine. The fact that I pushed for probably five minutes, such a short time, I felt fine after I could stand up and walk around. When I got home, we got home the next day. They let us go 28 hours or something later. We wanted to get home to be with Harry and have the boys meet. I remember my mom said, wow, you're just like running around the house. Because she was also there after I had Harry and I pushed for an hour and 40 minutes with Harry and in different positions and everything. And my whole back and like thighs were sore and it was just hard to get up and sit down. It's definitely better the second time around.
0: (laughs) And I think that's important that we underline that, that it's not the size of the baby Mm -hmm. that's going to create More tearing or a more difficult birth, necessarily.
1: It made no difference, I feel like, how much he weighed. His head came out and then another push later, his body came out. I couldn't feel how big he was. I couldn't guess by that. He was just coming. (laughs) He was ready.
0: (laughs) And I know that's not, we can't generalize that that's the experience for everybody. But yeah, second babies tend to, you know, the path has already been The path has
1: been paved.
0: Yes. (laughs) You were telling us a little bit about the comparison between the two. How else was this birth different from from Harry's?
1: I just had no idea what to expect with Harry. And we decided it was Christmas time and we had an elective induction. It was January 3rd because my whole family was up here and they lived down south. So there was a little bit of pressure. Have the baby while we're here see if they'll induce you. And what did I know back then? I didn't know better to just wait and let my body do it. So we had an elective induction, had the Pitocin. So it was just such a different experience. You know, they had the electronic fetal monitor on my belly. And with Jude, I had nothing. I didn't even have an IV. I had nothing because I was there for such a small amount of time. So, you know, my, I didn't want an IV and I didn't want the continuous monitoring and all of that. So I guess I did get some of the things I wanted. (laughs) But with Harry, we had all the things, the monitor around my belly and I had back labor. And I remember the monitor was moving. It was like shifting around. So I almost feel like the nurses didn't believe me that the contractions were getting more intense. They just said, oh, the contractions aren't consistent or rising high enough or whatever they need to do in the nurse's eyes because I kept moving the monitor.
0: (laughs) Why were you moving the monitor?
1: Well, I was leaning over the bed and it was on my belly and it just kept shifting and they kept coming in and like fixing it. That labor was less than eight hours, too, even with the Pitocin and the balloons and all that. So that was not a long labor either. Maybe I should have taken some some notice.
0: (laughs) You birth quickly once you get going. Yeah. Yeah. How was the immediate postpartum with Jude and how did that differ from... The experience with Harry.
1: I breastfed Harry for 17 months, so had some experience. I felt like I knew what to do. Uh, So it was great. I just kept putting him on a boob. That's like the go-to. Oh, is there a problem? Boob. (laughs) Did you make a sound? Okay, boob. (laughs) So very, very different. A lot easier the second time around. Even having two kids. It was easier because I I felt like we knew we had some tricks in our bag. We knew what to do. I had been asking anybody I could if I had a dentist appointment or whatever, anything during pregnancy with Jude. Is it harder zero to one or one to two? And most people said zero to one. It's true.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Dana, thank you so very much for being on the show and sharing your stories. It was tons of fun talking to you.
1: Oh, I agree. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: That was Dana Sacomano, a breastfeeding and feeding advocate and a mother of two. You can find Dana on Instagram at Dana underscore breastfeeding counselor. I hope your main takeaway from our conversation is that your body and your intuition will guide you through your labor experience, even if that experience is nothing like you were expecting and you end up embracing things you didn't expect to, like scream loudly and roar your baby because that's what you needed to do. Oh, and also that it is completely okay to mourn the experience you wanted to have while at the same time you process and even cherish what actually ends up happening. One thing you can do for you is put together a precipitous birth kit. This could include a few large chucks under pads, a few pair of sterile gloves, several towels to dry off baby two or three newborn receiving blankets and a newborn hat, a gallon freezer bag where you can put the placenta, which will still be attached to the baby, and maybe something to clip the cord, although that's not completely necessary as the umbilical cord is self-clamping. You could also add a couple of washcloths, a trash bag for all those underpads and towels after you're done, and maybe a baby bulb syringe. Those are just some ideas. Now, May 5th was the International Day of the Midwife, and we want to continue to honor and celebrate that day, frankly, all year long. So the one thing you can do for the rest of us is amplify and support the recently opened Common Sense Childbirth School of Midwifery, which is the very first and only nationally accredited Black-led midwifery training school in the U.S. and founded by midwife Jenny Joseph. The bottom line is that we need more midwives, especially more Black midwives. Having a provider who looks like you and who shares your values, your language, or your culture makes a huge difference during pregnancy and childbirth. And more Black midwives are a critical part of the solution to the current maternal mortality crisis in the U.S. Please find out more at commonsensechildbirth.org. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of Lantigua Williamson Williams & Co. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco, Jen Chien is our executive editor, Cedric Wilson is our lead producer, and Kojin Tashiro mixed this episode. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. And come back next week for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.